are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to talk to you this morning for a little bit on what may sound like a strange subject to you. I want to speak to you on the unfinished work of Christ. The unfinished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read a passage in the Bible from the first chapter of the book of Acts. And will you notice attentively with us this morning the reading of the blessed Word of God. Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. I might point out, before we finish reading, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke is the author of this book, as well as the Gospel of Luke. Both of these two books, Luke and Acts, were addressed to a man by the name of Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. Now, they're for us. They're inspired. It's the Word of God. But Luke addressed them to this lover of God. And he says, The former treatise, that's the book of Luke, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with or in the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time Restore again the kingdom to Israel. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while he beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come 
in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James, and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Now I want to point out two verses to you and will you just, if you will and you can, please keep looking upon the scripture for another moment. I want us to link together this morning verse 1 and verse 11. Now, in verse 1 we read, Luke said, The former treatise have I made, that's the book of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, Luke is saying in this first verse, Jesus began to do some things and to teach some things. Now, it's a wonderful thing, the doing of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus were just exactly synonymous. That probably could not be said of any other human being that ever lived. That their doing and their teaching were absolutely parallel one to the other. But the perfect Savior began to do and to teach. Now then, Jesus was taken up in this chapter. He saw, he blessed the disciples, they saw him as the heaven opened, and Jesus was received back into the presence of the Father. He had, a, he had died on the cross. He had arisen from the grave. And during a period of some forty days, had appeared at least twelve appearances are recorded in the Bible. To as few as one, to as many as five hundred, twelve appearances he made. Then one day the heavens burst with the glory of God, and like walking an invisible stairway, Jesus went back into the presence of the Father. The disciples stood gazing into heaven as they watched him leave. And two men dressed in white apparel, two angelic beings, two messengers from heaven came down to earth and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stands ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which you see taken from you into heaven, shall likewise come as you've seen him go. In other words, they're saying, there's more yet to come. Jesus is not through yet. Jesus began to do and to teach while he was on earth. And they said there's more yet to come. That suggests to me that the work of Jesus is not completely finished. Now don't misunderstand. There are no contradictions in the Bible. When Jesus died on the cross, one of the most wonderful things Jesus ever said was this. 
He cried seven times. Some 54 words in the English translation of the Bible, Jesus spoke while he was on the cross. One thing he said, he said, it is finished. And every child of God for 2,000 years has been looking back to the cross and talking about a finished work and rightly so. It is finished, he said. Every Old Testament prophecy about his death now fulfilled. All the sins of the whole world now completely paid for in the death of the righteous, holy Son of God. The justice of God completely satisfied. Jesus hanging on the cross, dying with your sin and mine upon him, said, It is finished, and it was. Your justice saved as if you were already in heaven. It's finished. He paid the price completely, satisfied the justice of God adequately. And Jesus said that his work on the cross is all finished. You know, Hebrews 9.28 uh, speaks of the same thing. When he had by himself purged us from our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yes, we talk about the finished work of Jesus. So much is finished. You know, his revelation is finished. Uh, Jesus, in the close of this Bible, told us God's revelation is all finished. He said, if any man add to this book, I'll add to him the plagues of life. If any man take from this book, I'll blot his, his works as name out of the book of life. Yes, all the revelation of God is completely finished. Completely finished. All of his promises he ever made came to pass. They're true. Everything Jesus ever said would happen, uh, did happen like he said it would. He said, while on earth you destroy this temple, this body, three days I'll build it again. And he did. He said, when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit's going to come. I will send him unto you. And he did. I'm saying to you, his cross work is finished. His book is finished. Uh, his promises come to pass. And yet, the Bible says of what Jesus began to do and to teach. And the Bible says there's more yet to come, the unfinished work of Jesus Christ. First of all, his mediatorial work is unfinished. I mean by that his work at the throne, yonder in the presence of God, where he ever lives to make intercession for you and me, it's unfinished. He is not through yet. Do you know, friend, that what God wants from me and you, God wants us to be exactly like Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 says, Whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You and I are going to be like Jesus Christ. Oh, we're not yet. Oh, I, I know. I see Jesus in people. I see Jesus in saved people. But we're going to be like Jesus Christ. And Jesus at the throne, 
is still mediating our cause. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, there's a great verse, and I wish you'd think about along this line. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this one thing, He which began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of redemption. You see, the Lord started a good work in you. He which began a good work in you will perform that work until the day of redemption. You see, there, the commencing, that's when you were saved. The continuing is going on right now. He's at the throne. He's working in us. He sometimes chastises us. He's dealing with us. He's praying with us, for us. He's representing us. He's mediating our cause. That's a continuing. Thank God it'll all lead to the consummation. When He comes and we have a body like His, and once at last we shall be changed into His own glorious image. I'm saying the Lord's work at the throne is still going on. It's not finished. I mentioned this morning in the Sunday school class about the garments of the high priest who went in that sacred holy of holies, there upon that mercy seat, sprinkled that blood. Only he could enter it. He only wants to hear, and he never without blood. There was on the bottom of the garments he wore a little golden bell that rang all the time. Every movement he made, there was the tinkling of the golden bells. Let me tell you, my friend, when I get down on my knees to pray, when I lift up my heart to God, I hear the golden bells ringing at the throne of God. Let me tell you, he is there this morning. Hallelujah! He's at the throne mediating your cause and mine. Not only did he commence the work, he is continuing the work. And one glorious day, he'll consummate that work when you're like Christ Jesus, the unfinished work of Jesus Christ. Now notice, his plan for this age is unfinished. You know, I think this Bible clearly lays out the plan of the ages. You can take the Bible and see God's plan of the ages. Leads up to the Lord ruling and reigning right here on this earth for a thousand years. But God has a plan for this age. This age has been spoken of as the age of grace. It is sometimes referred to as the age of the church. In the age previous, there was no such thing as a church as we know it. It was a mystery, as a truth not yet revealed. In the age to come, the church will not be on the earth. It will be with the Lord. This is the age of the church. This is the age of grace. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came down to earth. 
Jesus was incarnated. He dwelt in a human body. The Holy Spirit has incarnated Himself. He indwells in this human body. And these human bodies, the Holy Spirit has incarnated Himself during this age, and He dwells in the church. But now God has a plan for this age. And you know, I believe there are many of the Lord's people who do not really know what God is trying to do. That may explain why do we don't cooperate with Him sometimes any better than we do. What's God's plan for the ages? God's plan for this age. God's plan for this age is clearly set forth in Acts chapter 15 and verse 14. Now Simon Peter, for the first time, for the first time, had preached the gospel to the Gentiles. There were no Gentiles at Pentecost, all Jewish at Pentecost. Simon went to the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 15, preached the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, for the most part, the church is a made up of saved Gentiles. Now, born again Jew is a member of the Jew, a member of the church. Now, God says He tore down the middle wall of petition. Both Jew and Gentile saved make up the body of Christ. But now I want you to hear the verse this morning. If you want to know what God's plan for this age is, it's given in Acts chapter 15, verse 14. It says, Simon, that's Peter, hath declared how God at the first, or for the first time, did visit the Gentiles. Here is the reason. To take out of them a people for His name. That's what God's doing. God is taking out of the Gentiles, that's you and I, a people for His name. God is forming His complete church. God is making a bride for Himself. That is the plan of God for this age. That's the work of the church. That's the work of Christians, not something else. God's not going to clean up this world. It never has been cleaned up. It's been dirtied up so much that the Lord's destroyed it. But God's not going to clean up this world. In fact, God's going to finally destroy this world, as we'll see in just a moment. God's not in the business of cleaning up churches or cleaning up the world. God is in the business of saving people out of the world and cleaning them up and getting them ready to heaven. The work of the church, the plan of God for this age is to get a bride for himself, to win out of the Gentiles a people for his name's sake. Friend, if you could get it in your heart, in your mind, what God is doing, then you and I know how we're to fit in. What our work is to be. I want to tell you something, friend. You're never in this world, and don't you ever forget it, and I have my Bible to back up what I'm saying. You're never going to get all the dirty books off of the magazine racks. I'd love to. I'd love to burn every one of them. You're never going to close all the beer joints. I'd love to. You'll never close all the dirty movie houses. I'd love to. 
you have more people here on Sunday night because some of you are going tonight somewhere else. I'd love to close them all. You'll never close all the gambling joints. And I'll tell you something else. You're never going to get a Christian politician in every seat of government in America. It'll never happen because God's not in that kind of business. That's not what God's doing. Let me tell you, the devil is happy when he can get God's people on a sideline. Oh, it's good. Oh, yes, listen. Uh, I'd like to stop all the abortions. I'd like for everybody to have all the rights that's coming to them. I would. I'm not for the ERA, no. Listen, I'm for the... I'm for the EMA, Equal Rights of Men, if there is such a thing. Uh, listen, I think, I think womanhood is, is elevated and exalted, and a liberated woman is a saved woman in the will of God. Didn't mean to say that, but I'm sure glad I did. I just enjoyed saying it so much. But the program of God is to take out of this world a people for his name. That's what the Bible says. To take out of the Gentiles a people for his name. Now let me say to you, that's what Jesus began to do. That's what Jesus has taken up with. That's what the Lord talked about more than anything else. Why would he save people? Like Matthew, the uh, sitting at the ta collecting taxes, he said, um, uh, Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus is saying, we've got to take out of the Gentiles a people for his name. Matthew, come follow me. I'll make you to become fishers of men. Soul winning is the main thing. Getting people saved is the, is the main thing. God's plan for this age is to keep people out of hell. That's his plan. That's what God's interested in. Come, follow me. I'll make you to become fishers of men. You know, some people want to fish, but they all they want to fish with a big seine. You know what a seine is? How many do not know what a seine is? Seine, uh, uh, my friend, is a big net-like thing that you catch lots of fish at one time. Seining was illegal when I was a boy on the farm. But my brother and I had one anyway, but we won't go into that. A uh, lot of folks want to fish with the same. Do you know Jesus never one time ever fished with the same? He never fished with a net, not once. Nineteen times in that Bible, you see Jesus Christ talking to one person, Nicodemus. He looked for Philip, one man, one man. He looked for Zacchaeus, one man. He looked for one woman at the well in Samaria. Nineteen times Jesus put a line in that only one fish could get on it at once. That's what God wants. God wants some linemen. God wants some people to throw a line in, in the water for, and fish for one person like Jesus did. You talk about fishing with the same mass evangelism. There is no such thing as mass evangelism without personal evangelism. There'll never be one any other way. 
Uh, you know, everybody wants to go on strike today. Seems like everybody. Some of them, you can't really blame them when you look into it. But everybody wants to go on strike. But I was thinking the other day, the greatest sit-down strike this world has ever known is taking place in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord said, go fishing, catch somebody, get somebody saved. This is a plan for the age. This is of God. This has been ordained from before the councils of eternity. This is what the church is to do. Fish, fish, fish. Somebody asked a great man one time, said, what, what uh, are the three greatest characteristics of Christianity? He said, first of all, humility. Second, humility. Third, humility. If you ask me what God wants in the church today is three things. First of all, fishing. Secondly, fishing. Thirdly, fishing. And nobody's doing it hardly. The greatest sit-down strike ever taken place in America is taking place right now. Thousands, yes, hundreds of thousands of Christians are on a sit-down strike. Jesus said, fish. People say, I'm not going to fish. Oh, they're not arrogant about it. They don't defy God and say, I'm not going to do what you tell me to. They just keep their mouth shut and go on quietly their way. It's no wonder that old David said, No man cares for my soul. You know, the unsaved even today can see the church on a sit-down strike. God's plan of the ages is to get people saved. And Jesus did it with a line. One at a time. Once this one win one, that one win one. If we could be having this church some people fishing with a line, we'd see mass evangelism at these altars. Do you know the neglect of one soul? No way on earth, no way on earth, any preacher could ever describe the tragedy of the neglect of just one human being. Quite a few years ago, there lived a, a father and his son in this country whose last name was Kozolgaz, a European name. The young man's name was Leon. President McKinley, uh, well, McKinley came a little later, but one day this young man said to his father, Father, if you don't put me in an institution where I'm going to get, can get well. If you don't promise me, you will. I'm going to commit suicide before the night is over. His father promised him he would, and he did. This young man was being eaten up with a social disease. He thought he was cured in an institution for a few months and released and was married. And young Leon Kozolgaz married a beautiful young woman who gave birth to a, a, a baby boy, half blind, not well formed because of the disease of his father. When it happened, the father said, and the mother died in childbirth. Young Leon said, I can't live. My wife died because of my sin. My child was born half blind and poorly deformed because of my sin. And um, he said, I'm going to commit suicide. And he did. 
One day, President McKinley was present, and that half-blind boy, poorly deformed because of the disease of his father, reached out with one hand to shake hands with President McKinley, and with the other hand, he took his life. He assassinated the President of the United States, I think 1905, I'm not sure about the date. But that young man, Leon's son, killed President McKinley. Now you think of it. You think of a five-fold tragedy. A young mother died in childbirth because of sin. A diseased, half-blind baby was born because of sin. A young father committed suicide. A president was assassinated. And the young man that killed him was executed and went to hell. Who knows? But what the boys and girls being neglected in this city will turn out the same way. Oh, listen, friend. We're missing the mark. God's will and plan of the ages is to get people saved. You know, getting people saved is related to everything. You cannot associate for a Christian and a person that's in the, the body of Christ. You can't disassociate soul winning from anything. I want to tell you why. Now, this church, I, I don't want to throw off on this church. First of all, if I did. You know, a church is a reflection of its preachers. So if I threw off on you, I'd literally be throwing off on uh, myself and Tommy, uh, pastors. So a church is always a reflection of preachers. But I want to say something to you. I believe that one reason this church sometimes does not have the finances that it needs. Now, I'm not talking about personal. Not one bit. If you, if you think that, you'll do yourself a great injustice. But I'm talking about the finances of this church where millions of dollars have come through here. God has been gracious and good. But you know, sometimes our needs are greater than the supply that we actually have. You know why I think it is? I think it's because not enough soul winning going on. Say, preacher, what makes you think that? What's in the Bible? You know, one day they came to the disciples and said, Does your master pay taxes? Jesus said, you tell them we do. And he said to Peter, they had no money. He said to Peter, you take a hook, go throw it in the, in the ocean and catch a fish and open its mouth and you'll find a coin in it. Take that coin, pay taxes for you and me. Let me tell you something but in passing. These folks that don't want to pay income tax, and listen, I don't want to pay any more than I have to. Don't misunderstand me. God knows. Listen, uh, I don't want to send stuff all over the world and people starving to death at home. I think a lot of it's wasted. But that's a horse of another color. I don't want to pay any more than I have to. We're taxed to death. If you could take a dollar bill... I don't know whether I've still got one or not since I've paid so much taxes. If you could take a dollar bill, and if you could ever know how much of that dollar's taxes, you wouldn't believe it. 
you'd say, how on earth did I live this past week? If you knew how much of that dollar went for taxes. But I want to tell you, God's Word says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. You're to do, you're to keep the law. Because you're a Christian, there's no excuse for not keeping the law. Because you're a Christian, you can't say, well, I'm going to have my own school and put it in a fire trap somewhere and violate all the laws and have somebody teaching that needs to be taught themselves. That's not of God. I want to tell you, God's Word teaches that a Christian ought to keep the law. Anyway, Jesus said, catch a fish, find a coin in his mouth, pay taxes for me and for thee. You want to be like Jesus? Pay your taxes. Say, well, preacher, I don't like that. I don't either. I never did like castor oil, but my old grandmother had a bottle. And when I, when I got lazy, didn't have to get sick, just get lazy. She said, if you're not able to work, give you a dose of this. You know, we ran out of castor oil and just had an empty bottle. And for years, she just hold up an empty bottle. If you don't want to work, I go to work. But that's what the Bible says. But here's the wonderful thing. Catch a fish and our needs will be supplied. Oh, that says so much to me. You know, God's omniscient. He knows everything. He knew where fish was and he said to him, Hey, fish, see that hook over there? Yeah, bite it. God knew where there was a fish. One day somebody was fishing and there fell out of their, their coin bag a piece of money and it turned and went down and the fish thought that's good to eat and he swallowed it. The Lord arranged it all. God's omniscient. He was omniscient when he led me to go to 239 Straight State Street years ago. A story I could write a book about where a man and his sister were saved. Both of them are in heaven now. God only knows what they meant to the work of God. Let me tell you, my friend, fishing, fishing, fishing with a line. Listen, do you have a fishing line? If you don't, you're not a good Christian. God said, fish, fish, fish. He wants us to win souls. Everything else will be taken care of. Now, my time is up. But you know, God's plan for me and you is not finished. Now, you say, well, I thought it was. No, the fact that you are here this morning is a sign God's not through with you. If God was through with me, what would he leave me in this world for? Paul said, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of right. I'm ready to depart. God's not through with you. Dr. Bill Rice, God bless his sainted memory. He was my dear friend. One day he said to his wife, he said, uh, honey, my work is, he, he said, finished. He'd had a stroke. It's hard for him to talk. She said, what do you mean, finished? He said, my work's finished. Finished. It's all completed. That night he died. You know, God's not through with you yet. God has something he wants every one of us to do. He's not finished with us. God's plan for this earth is not finished. God's plan for the devil is not finished. One day he'll send just one angel to grab him by the nap of the neck and put him in the bottomless pit, thank God, forever. And then he'll let him out for a while and put him in the lake of fire and let him burn forever. All the unfinished work of Christ means you and I are to be engaged in it. 
Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.